This is back in with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. You're with Lawson and Lyle, the double L team. And uh, as we get back into our Encounter with God, we need to have another clue for our quiz. Yes, we yes we do. Again, uh, as I said, this is a what am I quiz. And, and last, still struggling. So double points are up for grabs. You can call us at 1-800-324. Double points are about to disappear. Okay. <laughs> but just letting you know. Just before you do, if you know the answer, call us at 1-800-324-843 or text in at 0491-064-669. Again, this is a what am I quiz. And this is the next clue. A poison spring was healed when Elisha put this in it. There you go. And it's gone. And it's, 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 it's yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. So, yeah, we actually, only have actually, one. <laughs> I actually had it on the last one. We had Barron on the line and I got distracted and never got back to it. But yeah. um, thought I'd let you at least wait until you heard that, uh, that, that clue right there. <laughs> classic. Classic Lyle move. All right, let's go to Acts. We are in the book of Acts, and we are in Acts chapter 24. My goodness, we are marching through the book. We haven't got that far to go. Yeah. Acts 24. How many chapters have we got? Like 27, I think it is? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure. But let's uh, flick over to Acts 24 for us there, Lawson, and we have some amazing, an amazing legal case to look at here. Mm. Oh, there's actually 20, 20... There's 28 chapters. 28 in chapters. I was one out. Yeah. yeah. Acts 24. And what I find interesting about this is because you've got Paul, who was a lawyer. Very rarely does he get to use his law degree. But in this case, he most certainly does because we have a legal case that is being brought before the governor. This is not just an argument taking place in the Sanhedrin. This is now a legal case. And the we find the Jews have hired a prosecutor to come down and a very famous lawyer mm. to come down and argue the case on their behalf. Yeah. All right, so Lawson, start for us in Acts chapter 24 and verse 1. All right, so in Acts chapter 24 and verse 1, the Bible says, Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer, Tertullus. Tertullus? Just say it with confidence and everyone will believe you. Tertullus. Tertullus. Fantastic! That's actually an awesome name. Um, that's that's going on the kid list right there. Like if I have a, if I have a child, Tertullus. Um, not quite. <laughs> anyway, um, and your other one's going to be called Mahershalal Hashbaz. Yeah, I'm a Fibersheth or something like that. Some hectic name. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, anyways, Tertullus comes to present their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following um, address to the governor. You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews and with foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, um, your excellency, we are very grateful to you, but I don't want to bore you. Okay, whoa, 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 stop right there for a minute before we go any further. This is Felix we're talking about, right? Yeah. This is, this is, this is this, Felix. This, this is, is the, the guy. Felix. This is the guy. And Tertullus comes down and says, you have given us a long period of peace. Okay. If you are a little bit unfamiliar with Felix, Felix was the most violent, bloodthirsty governor that the Jews had ever had. Yeah. He was oppressive to the max. He would um, take people's lives at the drop of a bucket, of a drop, drop of a, a hat, I shouldn't say. Not, they would, drop of a bucket. <laughs> really struggling here this morning. Um, 
and uh, yeah, he was he was just he was not he was not a peaceful man at all. He was corrupt to the core. Mm. He was opportunistic. Yeah, he was quite a piece of work. Was Felix? He was he was a troublemaker. And and Tertullus comes down. And you imagine Tertullus? Here he is, a Jew, right? And and the Jews are just getting smashed by this guy. And he has you know sacrificed his integrity so far that he has to stand up and begin his prosecution case with all of these lies, you know, knowing that Felix knows it's rubbish, knowing that he's betraying the entire Jewish nation (laughs) by what he's saying. You know, you would think once this gets out and it gets back to Jerusalem, what kind of a reputation is Tertullus? You know, he's got a reputation as being the greatest lawyer in Jerusalem at this particular time. Mm. He's holding the position that Paul would have held if Paul had stayed in Jerusalem. Mm. And uh, rather than uh, Paul being in that spot, Tertullus is there now and Tertullus is reduced to this. I mean, the majority of the Jews would see this as high treason. Dude. What a sellout. Like, that's so <laughs> lame and so spineless. Um, and it's interesting how he, like, continues to address the governor because obviously he's doing this in a, in a way to appease this guy. He, oh, yeah. He just, he just wants to get on this guy's good side so that, that, that the Jews look good to him and it, it continues. He says, Well, he's a typical lawyer because yeah, you know, being, yeah. a, being a lawyer and being an actor have a lot in common. Mm. It's all about... You know, building a good impression, building a good case, and winning people's hearts and minds, rather than being about the fact the, about the facts of the case. Oh, for sure. And it's really interesting here. Like as it continues in verse four, he says, uh, "Tatalus says, you know, like he starts off with, oh, we're so grateful to you because you're so uh-huh. amazing.' Uh-huh. And then he goes on to say, but but I don't want to bore you, so please just <laughs> give me your attention for one moment. Like, you know, you're a super important guy. Like, I know you've got lots on your plate. You know, we're just we're just humble Jews, and we're so thankful and grateful to you. Please just 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 give but us I know if one I, moment. I know I know if I stood here and I just you know, um, there's a whole bunch of expressions coming to my mind that are probably not. You know the right ones to use, but um, about where suck to, up essentially. Tertullus is heading right now, um, but uh, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, if we, if, we, if we keep just flattering you here, you're going to get bored with our flattery. So let's 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 move on and talk about the case. You imagine what Felix is thinking at this particular point? He's like, you loser. <laughs> I mean, how would you feel honestly? How would you feel if you knew you were running a brutal and an oppressive regime? Mm. You knew you were smashing these guys hard. You believed that this was the only way to bring, you know, peace and stability to the nation. You knew that yours had been the most unstable uh, governorship that the nation of Judea had ever faced. You knew all this, and then this guy comes along and starts saying all this stuff. You'd be like, "You are just, just a low down flatterer." Yeah, and I think like. Because you know, Tertullus is a governor, so he's a he's a smart guy. He could be able of course, to see. He's no fool. He, he can see straight he'd through. He'd be it. able to see through this situation. How would he feel knowing that that the Jews think that he's so dumb? Like that this Tertullus <laughs> guy thinks that he's so stupid that he can just pander to his. I tend his, to think that Tertullus being a being an, an extremely brilliant lawyer mm. was was most likely excellent at reading people. Mm-hmm. I think he starts down this path. This is just my view of it. He starts down this path. He sees the look on Felix's face. He reads it 
is like, yeah, shut up, get out of here, move on. <laughs> this is not going well. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but we continue on in verse 5. The Bible says, We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the cult of, known as the Nazarenes. Um, furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. Okay, let's stop there for a moment and let's let's work back through it. Basically, Tertullus um, brings three charges, mm-hmm. if, if we summarize it right here, against Paul. The first hit that he was an agitator. Yeah. He was causing trouble in the nation. He was stirring the nation up and he's like saying, Felix, if you want to have a peaceful uh, nation, if you want Judea to be a peaceful place, you need to get rid of this guy, Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is this is this is the source of all of your trouble right here, and in many ways, what he is appealing to is the kind of person that Felix is. Mm-hmm. He knows that Felix is brutal. He knows that Felix um, will oppress people at the drop of a hat. He knows that Felix is not interested in justice. Felix is just interested in having a good reputation at Rome. Mm-hmm. He's not interested in having a good reputation amongst the Jews. He just wants a good one at Rome. Now, if Judea is in a mess, he's going to have a bad reputation at yeah. Rome. His opportunity for you know, climbing the corporate ladder or the political ladder at this particular point are gone. Yeah. They come along and say, hey, Judea is in a mess. And guess why? It's because Paul is here. Mm. And if you, you know, the implication is if you want to have a peaceful Judea so that you get a good reputation at Rome, climb that political ladder, then you need to get rid of Paul. Here is the solution. Mm. So they're, they're, they're appealing to the kind of person that Felix is. Mm. It was very similar to actually the, the accusations that the Jews brought against Jesus as well. They were very oh, much yes. appealing to Pontius Pilate's uh, his want to have a good reputation. And it's coming through, oh, you know, this place is going to be in a mess and it's all your fault if you don't get rid of this guy. And we can just see that playing out here in this narrative as well. Absolutely. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so moving on. The second accusation is that he is a ringleader of a group called the Nazarenes. Oof. Let's, let's just think about this scary group of people called the Nazarenes. Uh, the Nazarenes were people who uh, took a vow to dedicate themselves to God and mm-hmm. to God's service. You know, it, it's almost like he... he um, it's, it's interesting how if you give something a name, you can demonize it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dude, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, just, 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 just drop this name and he's a ringleader of the... Nazarenes, like Ooh. this is this is just terrifying. You know, probably Felix never heard of the Nazarenes. Like, who are the Nazarenes? You know, here's this name. They've been named now, so they, they must be a terrorist cell. <laughs> yeah. Can't be anything else other than a terrorist cell. It's so interesting too because you think of the people who are from Nazareth. Like they literally oh. say about Nazareth, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Like they're all peasants. Yeah, they're all super poor. Like, like what? What does it ta- like to tell us? And this expect is, and this, to is this is this yeah. is where the um, and this is where you know Tertullus is playing a double game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Nazareth. Anyone from Nazareth is called a Nazarene, right? Mm-hmm. And Nazareth is a hotbed of trouble yeah you know this is a very low socioeconomic area this is an area that has a reputation that is worse than some of our worst suburbs around here if you i'm not going to name them because then i'll offend somebody (laughs) but uh, you all know those suburbs there's there's some in in sydney they make uh you know tv soap operas about um (laughs) 
<laughs> not mentioning um, Mount Druut. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is the kind of place that Nazareth was, right? Yeah. So you drop the word Nazarene. It's almost like dropping the, you know, the Mount Druitt word, right? <laughs> It's like, yeah, this is this has got to be bad if he's a ringleader of, of, of these guys. Yeah. Where in actual fact, you could also be a Nazarene if you took a Nazarite vow, which mm. was a purification vow, which is what Paul was doing in the temple. So he's telling a truth, but implying terrorism by telling the truth. Dude, it's He's it's talking crazy. at a... Uh, this guy has a forked tongue. Yeah. He is a he is a uh, he is an expert lawyer. He knows exactly what he's doing. He has a forked tongue right here. Mm. It's um yeah no, so, so all right so this is the second thing accuse him of being a, a, a ringleader of, of the Nazarenes uh, the Nazarite vow you find it in uh, I think it's the book of Leviticus and it's basically a purification vow where you dedicate yourself to the service of God and it's a great thing to do and it's something we should all do every <laughs> single day there is nothing violent about it there is nothing political about it mm. um you know there were certainly lots of people from Nazareth who would be violent and political and just general losers for sure <laughs> but yeah. um. Yeah, okay. All right. The third thing um, that he's accused of here is that he attempted to defile the temple in Jerusalem. Mm. This was the original accusation that was brought against Paul on the day that he was arrested. Yeah. And why would Felix be worried about that? He he absolutely wouldn't. Like, why would he Except even care? That. Except that the temple... Brought in massive amounts of money. True. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Except yeah. that the temple, and if you have trouble in the temple, you you don't want to have to have trouble in the temple. This is this is the the biggest money making machine that there is in the ancient sure. world. And uh, yeah, you, you you don't want to have you don't want to have any trouble with that place. And so this is actually a smart one to bring up. Mm. There are a number of problems with this accusation. Mm. First of all. When Paul was captured in the temple, there were no Gentiles with him. Mm. Secondly, there was not a single solitary witness who had seen Paul in the company of a Gentile in the temple. <laughs> yeah. There were witnesses who had seen Paul in company with Gentiles in the city of Jerusalem, which that was enough to get Jews stirred up. But there was no witness who had ever seen him in the company of a Gentile in the temple. Mm-hmm. Now, this is significant because what you'll find here that is absent from this story because they have sent down, you know, the the, uh, the priests and some members of the Sanhedrin, some high-ranking people, and they've sent down their best lawyer. You know what they haven't sent down? What? Any witnesses. <laughs> okay, because, because they know that if they send witnesses down and you, you're going up against a lawyer like Paul... And he starts cross-examining them. Mm. This is this story is going to fall apart fast. Yeah, because there is no actual witnesses, mm. and of course, the witnesses who had testified against him in Jerusalem were the witnesses from Asia, mm-hmm. who could recognise him, and they had made these claims like, "Oh, yes, he brought Gentiles into the temple." But because they had, you know, Tertullus was smart enough to know that if he could put these guys on the stand, Paul would just pull them apart. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just ask them one question after another, and sooner or later they would be seen as the as the fakes and the frauds that were. So he leaves those witnesses behind. At this point, the whole case should have been thrown out of court. Yeah, because sure. you know Paul's got nothing to answer. How do you how do you have a court case without witnesses? Mm. 
But Talos is is doing his best right here. We need to keep reading. Um, Where did we get up to? So we got up to verse uh, 8. And this is, this is, again, this is very interesting, this next verse, because uh, like you said, this case would have been thrown out of court. Um, mm-hmm. But Tatala says something really smart here. He says, you can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. And then, you know, it goes on in, in verse 9, it says, then the other Jews chimed in declaring that everything Tatalus uh, said was true. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. They're appealing at that like, oh, you know, great, great governor that you are. You know, I'm sure if you looked, you could you could confirm our testimonies. Like, we don't need witnesses. We don't know witnesses because you're so smart. Like, why would we uh-huh. need a witness when you could just look at the guy and see that he's terrible? Which is exactly and precisely basically the what they're doing. Way. Basically, what they're doing is they're appealing to um, Felix corruption. They know that mm. Felix is corrupt. They know that he's brutal. They know that he has convicted a lot of people without witnesses before. Mm-hmm. And they're like, if we bring witnesses, we're going to be in trouble. So they leave the witnesses behind yeah. and they just bring a lawyer and lots of passion. Dude, for sure. It's amazing. Um, but we're going to continue on in verse 10. The Bible says, The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years. So I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more um, no more than 12 days ago to worship in the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of any city. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. And of course, if Felix wants to know, he can just talk to the governor back in Jerusalem. Mm. You know, the, the, uh, the general who is in charge of the, of the fortress there. And, uh, you know, of the legion that was in command of keeping the peace in Jerusalem, he can find out from him. Yeah. There was no riot. There was no trouble. The whole 12 days that he had been there, nothing had happened until the Jews themselves had rioted when they saw Paul and recognized who he was. Yeah. So they were the ones who should have been in court for causing a riot and trouble. <laughs> for stirring up trouble. That's insane. Man, uh, you can just see, again, it's appealing to this this sense of unity in hate that our hearts are often drawn to. Like, mm. just as human beings, we we have that tendency to, you know, for me, I know, like, gossiping and all these things, like, it, it's a hard thing to overcome. And we mm-hmm. can see here with, like, when, they, when they're stirred up um, in, in hate for Paul, that it's so easy for them to, to all get drawn in and, and, like, to the point where they're just flying, like, false for like court cases and accusations. And they were just, like, uh, last week we saw that they were willing to take an oath to um, mm. to not eat until Paul was dead. Like, it's it's unbelievable the lengths that people will go to for evil. Um, and I was really blessed this Sabbath, actually. Matt Parra preached at our church and he talked about, you know, how for a lot of us who who spent our life, you know, away from the church and away from away from God, we were an amazing witness for Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you think about um myself, for example, Matt Parra actually gave the the example of like, you know, you ask your buddy to go to the bar and, you know, you start to say they say no and then you start to incentivize by offering to pay for their drinks or whatever. Like at that point you were being an amazing witness for Satan. Um and it's like, you know, we as Christians, um, people who have who have come to the knowledge of God, we can sort of flip that, and we can join together in unity to appeal people to come to God. Mm-hmm. And it's um, yeah, you can just really like through this story, you just really see the 
the themes of just these people drawn together in hate. Um, and it just highlights like, man, we need to, as Christians, be unified in the love of Jesus and in his truth and in his light and in his way so that we can be a blessing to the world. We can we can share his gospel and, and we can have encounters with people um, where they can be blessed and their lives can be changed. But yeah, we'll be continuing on more in this Bible study um, after our next song. Bitter whale 
You're listening to the Leuven Brothers with Almost Persuaded here on Faith FM. And, of course, that song, um, Lawson, right there, about the experience of Felix. Amazing. Amazing. You've got Felix here who, you know, he he can see straight through this case, and that's Mm -hmm. what we're going to read, you know, as we go through. But he he gets Paul out to preach on occasions. Mm. And at one particular time, the Bible says, a little bit further on, we'll read it if we get time to it, but we're going to read it right now anyway. The Bible says in verse 25, as he, Paul, reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. He was under incredibly deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, you got Paul here standing in front of Felix who has the power to take his life with a snap of his fingers and who has done so over and over and over again. And Paul is standing there and reasoning of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Mm-hmm. You know Paul is not holding back. Yeah. He is calling sin by its right name. And in the presence of Paul and his preaching, Felix is trembling. Yeah. And then he goes on, he answers, Go your way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. And, of course, that convenient season never came. You can only come to Christ while he is calling. Mm. Some people some people say, oh, you can come to Christ whenever you want. No, you can't. You can only come when he's calling. Yeah. Because there will come a time when the Holy Spirit will not be able to reach you any longer. Mm-hmm. Because you have hardened yourself through your decisions. You have cut yourself off from God. Okay, so let's. Uh, where where did we get up to, Lawson? Let's. We, um, we got up to verse fourteen. And okay, cont- take us take us through to nineteen. Okay, so this is continuing again on with uh, Paul's response to the accusations they've made, and he says in verse fourteen, um, "But I admit that I follow the way which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have." that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. After several years away, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. My accusers saw me in the temple as I was completing the pure the purification ceremony, which is the, the ceremony mm-hmm, of the Nazarene. That's right. So he's just like, yeah, of course I'm a Nazarene. <laughs> not from, not one of those troublemakers from Nazareth. I was doing a purification ceremony. <laughs> there was no crowd around me and no one rioting, but some Jews from the province of Asia were there and they ought to be here to bring charges if they have anything against me. Okay. So, so Paul, yeah, he's a master lawyer and he just brings this, he, he, he goes straight there and he's like, all right, Guys, there's no witnesses. <laughs> what are you going to do with this court case? Dude. You know, how, how, how is it that you've come down all the way down here, you've got this brilliant lawyer and there's no witnesses? Mm. Now, there's a brilliant lawyer because he's brought no witnesses because <laughs> yeah. he knew that if he brought witnesses, he'd be in trouble very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's the point where the whole court case should have just been thrown out. Oh, I love that line there. You know, those, those, those Jews from Asia? They should be here if they've got yeah. if they've got something to Someone's say. Someone's got something to get me. Like let let's get him down. Like mm-hmm. it's um you know because again, General Felix, like this guy Felix, he um he he's obviously a smart man. He knows he knows what's going on here. He can he can see through it. And I think like you know if anyone could, even though this guy was corrupt, even though and we talked about the way that the Holy Spirit convicted him, like he could see um that he needed to make a change in his life. But, like, yeah, he was still open to, like, 
logic and reason. Yeah, that's right. That like this is happening. Let's 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 keep reading because there's some uh, some more things we can learn about Paul and about Felix as we work our way through here. For sure. In verse twenty, uh, the Bible says, "Ask these men here what crime." The Jewish high council, high council found me guilty of, except for the one time I shouted out, I am on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. Okay, stop right there for a moment. Paul has gone straight to the core of the issue, which means that for a secular courtroom, there is no case to be answered. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, you've got no witnesses. The only thing that anyone here is qualified to witness against witness in relationship to is my statement in relationship to the resurrection. Mm -hmm. That is the only thing that anyone here can witness of. All right. What relevance does that have to a secular courtroom? (laughs) Absolutely none. Like it's just an absolutely ridiculous thing. And he's like, if they want to, if they want to witness of something, if they want to witness to something else, speak up guys. (laughs) You know, if you've got something else that you saw that you are an eyewitness of, then speak up because you didn't and you know you didn't. This is the only thing that you can actually testify of. Mm. All right, verse 22. Verse 22, the Bible says, at that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, adjourned the hearing and said, wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives, then I will decide the case. Okay, keep going. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs. Okay, so Paul basically goes under house arrest. Mm-hmm. While he's under house arrest, you can imagine what Paul was doing there in the town of Caesarea. He was just simply doing what he always did, and that's preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel and writing books and writing letters and you know um, doing his usual thing. But it's a little bit of a pain to be you know under house arrest. Yeah. He's got a centurion that's taking care of him at all times. And, of course, you know, Felix is like, yeah, you know, Felix should have thrown it out of court because mm. Tatalus had done such a terrible, terrible job as a uh, chief prosecutor. Mm-hmm. But um, he decides not to. He's a, he's a political guy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 that's, and that's really what we find. All right, keep going. We're, we're going to read this bit about where uh, he was. Um, we've got time to go through it, so we will. Okay, in verse 24, the Bible says, A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about the faith in Jesus Christ. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming of the day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I will call you again. Mm, which is the equivalent of uh, putting a Band-Aid across the red warning light on your dash when you run out of oil. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I'm scared. You know, I'm under deep conviction, so go away. Mm. But what you have here is the number one way that Satan destroys people eternally. Mm. Satan typically does not come to people and says, hey, look, you know, there's this great thing called eternal life. I want you to chuck it out the window. Yeah. No, Satan will come along and say, no, no, no. Satan will be like, yeah, yes, yes. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's what Satan will do. And so we're like, yeah, I'm under conviction. This is a good conviction. I'm convicted to give my life to Jesus Christ. This is a positive thing. Satan is bringing that conviction because he's saying do it tomorrow because you decide to do it tomorrow. Mm. And, you know. It's like tomorrow never comes. Well, right? bringing the conviction, at least I should say, to bring, to do that tomorrow. And the mm. next day, he just does the same thing. 
And every time you follow the voice of Satan, it becomes easier. There is never an easier time than right now to give your life to Jesus Christ. And Mm. if you've never done that, let me encourage you. Just go to Jesus in prayer, however you want to pray. You can pray any way you like. He's always going to listen. You know, you don't have to get on your knees and close your eyes and fold your hands like which is you know, your typical classical prayer. Pray to Jesus however you feel comfortable and just say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you now. Every aspect of my life I want you to be in control of, you to be in charge of. I want to make a full and total surrender to you right now because right now is the easiest it will ever be. Tomorrow it will be that much harder. Mm. And the day after, a little bit harder. And every day that goes by, less likely to happen. And so many people have lost their salvation simply because they put off making a decision in their relationship with God that they knew to be right. This is BJ Thomas. I want to be more like Jesus. What kind of man Would wash men's feet Get pushed around And turn the other cheek I want to be more like him Every day In every way So little time He took for himself He was more concerned For every yeah. I want to be more like him Every day In every way I want to be more like Jesus That's why I put my life in his hands As tears of pain fell from his eyes He prayed for those who had him crucified I want to be more like him They're living far longer and far happier than most people in the world. And now, their secret's out. Six regions have been identified as blue zones, places where people experience holistic health, and it's doing them a lot of favors. So do yourself a favor and come along to the free Rethink Health workshops, where we will explore six core principles of health and longevity 
proven through the Blue Zones at the Swansea Center Sunday, October 7, October 14, and October 21st from 5 p.m. is where you'll find us. For more information, call 0402-528-869 or search for the Rethink Health event on Facebook. Regardless of who we are, rich or poor, educated or uneducated, we all face the ultimate enemy, death. Why is death a part of life? And is there a way of solving the mystery of death? This is a billion dollar question. I'm David Stojic, pastor of Living Abundantly Adventist Church. We are hosting speaker Danny Milenko to provide a scriptural perspective on this topic. Join us at 11 a.m. Saturday, September 22 at the Waterbrook Community Center. Visit discoverhopeseries.com for more.
Welcome back, guys. That was Alison Krauss and the Cox family with I Know Who Holds Tomorrow Ooh. here on Faith FM. Banger. Man, I love that song. It's so good. I love that whole <laughs> just album. Just for you today, like, Lawson. Just yeah, for you today. I've been telling Shell, like, oh, we got to play this on air and now we can play it. And it's <laughs> so good. But anyway, getting back, we've got another clue for our quiz. And remember, you can... Uh, clue hasn't, the quiz hasn't been stacked yeah. up yet. We're actually a little bit behind on our clues because we skipped one. Yeah. But you can still call us up and claim the prize. Either at, you can call us on... 1-800-324-843 or text in at 0491-064-669. But again, this is a what am I quiz. And the next clue is, and this 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 should be getting, it should come to your light if you've got, got that biblical knowledge. Uh, the Bible says, Paul says, your conversion should be seasoned with this. No, your conversation. Sorry, your conversation should be seasoned with with this. Not such a bad thing if your conversion gets seasoned with it as well. Yeah. Okay, so what should our conversation be seasoned with? What do you season things with? Some kind of seasoning. seasoning. Okay, Ooh. 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669 here on Faith FM. And we have a prize coming your way if you can get the correct answer. What's our question of the day there, Lawson? Our question of the day is, this is a pretty heavy one. It's, can mentally disabled people be saved? Yes. End the show. Oh, we've got to fill up the next three minutes, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was kind of wondering, what kind of person actually asks a question like this? You know, um, let me think about this. Can uh, physically disabled people be saved? If I am born without a leg, can I be saved? Of course I can be saved. Yeah. Uh, can mentally ill people be saved? Of course mentally ill people can be saved. There are a number of people in the Bible who will be saved who were severely mentally ill. Uh, let me think. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes to mind. He was a psychopath. Uh, Manasseh comes to mind. He was also a psychopath. Uh, Thomas was just terribly depressed. I mean, mm. that guy suffered from terrible depression. And look what he did for God. You know, we could go on and on and on down through the list. And so really what we're looking at here is the issue of accountability. Mm. When does a person reach the age of accountability where they are responsible for between them and them and God for their salvation? And the Bible doesn't give a definition as to when a person reaches that age. Mm. Now, with a mentally ill person, you know, they will talk about, you know, this person has the mental capacity of a three-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 14-year-old or whatever it might be, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're um mental development has been arrested at some particular point in that whole process, mm. even still, their mental capacity, while it might be the mental capacity of a three-year-old, is very different from a three-year-old. But let me ask you this question. Can your three-year-old love Jesus? Yeah. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says unless you are as little children, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Oof. There you go. So there you go. You need to be. You need to have a a, a mental uh, be born with a mental disability to get into heaven, so that you still have the the, the mental Ooh. capability of a three year old. <laughs> That's a big step. No, <laughs> that on, is a big come step. On, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that that simple faith, that childlike faith, is a faith that God can uh, mm. that can He can use and He can bless and He can honor and these people be saved. Um, let me go to Psalms chapter eighty seven. Psalms 87. This is a very revealing passage right here. Psalms 87. And we're going to look in verse 6. 87 verse 6. The Bible says, 
You know what? I wrote it down wrong. I think I've got it on my computer. Let me see if I've got it on my computer. The Lord shall count when he writes up the people. In other words, he's writing up the book of life. Mm-hmm. That this man was born here. In other words, when God judges people, one of the key things that God does is He takes into account the circumstances under which they were born. In other words, mm. the country that they were born in or the mental capacity that they were born with. Mm-hmm. God is not in the business of you know sitting up in heaven like, who can I keep out of heaven? Oh, you know, that person doesn't have the mental capacity to accept me as their savior, so they're gone. Mm. You know. Out they go. Phew, that's a few less there. No, God is not like that. God, Jesus gave his life for our salvation. Yeah. He's trying to save as many people as he possibly can. And he is working as hard as he can to get absolutely every single last person into heaven. And mentally handicapped people are going to be amongst that group of people who are saved. We need to move on. This is Marion Blythe Peppers with Search For Me. You're listening to Faith FM. Sit beside me while I weep I'm crying to you on bended knee I know you are there though far you see So I'm clinging to you, hold on to me Learning to trust more in you, Lord As I search for you
That was Marion Blythe Peppers with Search For Me here on Faith FM. We have come to that part of the day where we are going to give something away for free. You don't have to answer the quiz question. You don't have to do anything. You just have to be the first caller through. So get ready to dial 1-800-324-843 for some free movie tickets. Oof. Yes, this is this is what I like to hear. Okay, so this is the movie we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. It is called Tortured for Christ. And so last week we gave away tickets um, for Victoria and Western Australia, the week before for New South Wales. And this week our tickets are for South Australia and Queensland. So mm. if you're in Adelaide or Brisbane, in South Australia it will be playing at the Reading Cinemas in Westlakes and in Queensland, in Brisbane, the Reading Cinemas in Newmarket. This Saturday evening, the 22nd of September, this is a life-changing movie. This is a powerful story that will deeply impact you. You will not come out of this uh, this viewing the same as you went in. Your life will be changed forever. Mm-hmm. And so I would say this is something that uh, yeah, Lawson missed out. <laughs> but uh, Lawson will get it on DVD, so that's okay. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you need to get along and uh, and watch this movie. So what's our number there, Lawson? Our number is, if you want to call us, 1-800-324-843. And if you want to text in, 0491-064-669. And, of course, you can contact us via our social media and we will get that taken care of, care for you as well. But, really, you need to call through. Um, and, of course, don't forget that our question of the day is up on YouTube. Uh, all going up on YouTube, on our new YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for Faith FM. And you will find our question of the days up there where you can catch up on all the questions that you have been asking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you for joining us today. We love your company in the morning. Always a pleasure to spend the morning with you. And right now we're going to continue with Love and David.
street You'll have every failure, God 